1: to this damn show damn it the napping through happy hour podcast brought to you by geekscape real life real drama real time i'm gary snooze
0: that's the the ad that's the end that's the 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 ad.
1: This is Unstable
2: Topic. Hello, hello, and welcome back to yet again another episode of Before My Time. I am your host, Gelsie Laurie, and this week we are joined by our producer, friend, and let's face it, co-host, Matt Kelly, and he's going to tell us about an old sci fi TV show called The Prisoner. Get excited. Ooh.
3: It is mind blowing and
1: heartbreaking
3: how many original scripts are written every year but are never made.
1: So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors.
3: Check us out at Undiscover Scripts Movies
2: Made of Paper,
4: wherever you get your podcasts. Free. All right, so, Gelsey. Yes. Am I to understand that you do not know what The Prisoner is?
2: I don't. You were like, I'm going to do The Prisoner. And I was like, what's that?
4: Okay. So (laughs) The Prisoner, and I'm going to use verbatim Wikipedia description because I think it sums it up so well. The Prisoner is a 1967 British avant-garde social science fiction television miniseries
2: perfect got it so
4: so when i was a kid i have this vhs tape that i've held on to for probably 20 years that my mom had taped for me when i was a kid that one night on fox like you know when you were a kid you know there'd be the simpsons at seven o'clock say and then like you had this whole routine but then like Usually the eight to 10 slot would be like completely random. It'd be like the Fox movie of the week or or this, that, or the other thing. And one week it was this two hour special called the museum of science and history presents science fiction throughout the ages. And it was hosted mm-hmm. by Carrie Fisher, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy and Dean Cain. And they I went, to watch through-
2: this right now. Oh, oh
4: it's God. great. You can find people upload it on YouTube, but I still like keeping my VHS tape with all the commercials on it. And they literally went through the entire history of, from the day television started, science fiction and what science fiction's importance was. And it was broken into these different segments. So they do a segment on time travel shows and they do a segment on space travel and stuff like that. But their one segment was called Nightmare Worlds, and it was Twilight Zone and it was The Prisoner. And that was my first exposure to The Prisoner. And because of that, I feel comfortable with the fact that I'm probably going to spoil the shit out of this miniseries. But even with me having watched this tape and knowing the full story of The Prisoner for probably two decades before I actually sat down and watched it, it did not lessen the impact on how incredible this miniseries is, right? So... The show was created, written, and starring Patrick he, uh He played the secret agent John Drake on the espionage program Danger Man from 1960 to 1968. And it was kind of like him playing this James Bond-like character. Okay. The Prisoner is a show that he wrote about trying to escape being typecast as a secret agent. So the show starts off with an unnamed British intelligence agent who abruptly decides to quit his job and on his way home is gassed and imprisoned in a mysterious coastal village where all of his captors are desperately trying to find out why he wants to leave his job. <laughs> this it's like this paradise. Like he walks around and it's this beautiful area like there's like human chess but no one has a name. Everyone's referred to as numbers. So he is number six and he reports to number two throughout the show. But in another weird twist, to build the paranoia, a different guest actor plays number two in every single episode. So oh, wow, cool. So there's never, there's he never knows, like he'll walk in and be like, I'm here to speak to number two, and they're like, that's me. And he just gets this look on his face of like, but I was literally yesterday just working with a different number two. Like, like it's like like this constant frustration and his end goal is to escape from the island. Well, it's to find out who number one is escape from the island and destroy the island eventually. And throughout this like 17 part series, there's multiple episodes where you think he's going to do it. He's going to escape. And every single time, his plan is foiled, and every episode just ends with his face, a cartoon of his face, zooming up to the camera just before two bars come and slam shut in front of him. Like being oh, like yeah. this weird symboli- symbolized thing of his imprisonment inside of this land. The show has been parodied countless times. The biggest one I remember is The Simpsons did a parody of uh-huh. it um, when Homer was running an internet site full of gossip and accidentally revealed real gossip and got kidnapped instead of having security on this island they have these giant floating bubbles that will suction onto your face and basically suffocate you and then they'll take you back to your like prison cell essentially but your prison cell is this gorgeous house with everything you could ever want like it's like like the accommodations are fantastic it's just that you have literally no self on this island
2: and and who are these other people that are all different numbers?
4: Supposedly all just past agents trying to break him and get the answers that they want. So
2: they're all in on it.
4: For the most part, then there's just people that are there and there's no real explanation on who these people are, but they all seem
2: <laughs> like, they all they?
4: seem very happy to be there. And like that's the what? thing. So it it has like I said, it's avant-garde is such a great word to describe it. The way that this show feels like I genuinely believe that this show probably changed the way that television is done and is closer to what you would expect now uh like i don't think that lost would exist without a show like the prisoner i don't think like all these heady tv shows that we get one of my favorite shows that the new season's about to drop on netflix russian doll like you wouldn't get I love
2: Russian doll when yeah.
4: when Patrick made this show he wrote a 40-page show bible that included the entire history of the village the types of telephones that are used how the sewage system works what they use for transportation like every aspect of it and he directed a lot of the episodes but used synonyms so people didn't know that the writer creator and star was also the director of most of the episodes so like this was very much his hands-on project. And I think it's just so, it's one of those things where, you know, if you put on, I I use this example all the time. If you were to put on Citizen Kane with no context, Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: fine, it is what it is, right? But if you watch all of the movies that came out before Citizen Kane, and then you watch Citizen Kane, how unique and different it is from its direction to its pacing to its story to camera angles to like all of that comes more to the forefront because you're seeing it through the lens of the people who would have seen Citizen Kane for the first time as opposed to through the lens of people who've watched the hundred almost hundred years of influence from that movie. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> right right, that, right right
4: that's how i feel about when you look at something like the prisoner like look at what was have like what tv looked like in the 50s and 60s and then you watch this show and it's it it totally makes sense why a it was beloved by the critics but not a bot like not a big show television wise cuz i think it was too abstract and like, weird too much. yeah, yeah. that
2: was like too much mhm
4: so a couple awards and honors. Um, the final episode actually was nominated for a Hugo Award for best dramatic presentation. It won the. It's currently in the Prometheus Hall of Fame. Uh, it was inducted oh, in wow. that in 2020. In 1997 and 2001, TV Guide listed the final episode as one of the 55 greatest TV show episodes of all time. Uh, in 2005, the readers of FX. Uh, SFX magazine awarded it fifth place in a poll of the greatest British fantasy and sci-fi shows of all time. Also in 2005, uh, in a survey with, uh, rock and roll and film stars for uncut magazine, ranking the greatest films, books, music, and TV shows that changed the world. It placed, uh, the Prisoner at number 10, which was the highest television show on the entire list. And then in 2013, TV Guide ranked it the ninth greatest science fiction show of all time. So it's it's got this wow. huge accolade uh, and it's it's caused you know there's there's a spin-off series of books. they made some computer games of it in the 80s. There was a comic book run in the late 80s based on it. They even did a remake of it on AMC in 2009. I never watched it uh it it really? mostly was negatively reviewed. Uh, Christopher Nolan's been trying to make a film version of this since 2009. Um, it's been pres- like it the the influence of this show is far stretching right? but I want to talk about the final episode because the final episode is what really won me over for this show. So the final episode is called fallout. And the way that this episode works is that our main character, number six, finally gets to go and see who this number one is. Right. And he walks in number one, turns around and he's cloaked up and he's wearing a mask and he's replaying all this footage from the previous 17 episodes. And the one famous line that, that popped up in the first episode just starts looping over and over and over again. And it's number six saying, I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered because my life is my own. And it keeps playing that over and over and over and over and over again. And then he rips off this mask and it reveals number six's face as i number knew one. it oh i knew
2: it i was like it's, <laughs> it's gonna be like, number six i knew it
4: <laughs> it ends on such a twisted like you so will it's not... all in
2: his mind
4: as that's the implication he said he left it open it's one of those like interpretation i hate
2: that shit oh my god that's the like exception <laughs> it ends and everyone's like i think he's awake well i think he's still dreaming And i'm like can they just tell us this is but, bullshit uh,
4: but see i think the flip side of this Is that again? This is kind of one of those chicken or the egg type situations where I almost wonder. Cause can you think of many other like 50s and 60s shows that end it with like a abstract, open ended ending? I feel like this may have been the the first one.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I mean, the only thing like this does remind me a lot of, and you already kind of said that the Twilight Zone, um, which I noted down, I was like, we definitely have to do a Twilight Zone episode. But yeah, I, I love the Twilight Zone. And it's, it does, I feel like, had a lot of those like, Left for the audience to... But those are more, like, left with a pondering thought, I feel yeah. like. They left kind of a daunting theme a lot at the end of Twilight Zone and would end on a maybe, say, dark note where you're like, oh, my gosh, but it left you more with internal, like... Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if, like, oh, God, I, I'm going to ponder this. Not, not like, wait, what is that? Did he? Didn't he? Like, I it they didn't go quite as extreme as what you just said. And so...
4: So here's a quote from the creator a decade after they were interviewing him about the fact that people were kind of like all over the place about this ending and they asked him how he felt and he said, I'm delighted by the reaction because it was always my intention to create some type of controversy. He further explained that his enjoyment of the outrage was in line with the show's overall message, that as long as people feel something, then that's a great thing. It's when they're walking around not thinking, not feeling, that's that's where all the dangerous stuff is. Because when you get into a mob like that, then you can turn into some gang similar to what Hitler had. The popular press joined in with the po- public indignation of this rubbish that he had foiled them <laughs> with. Uh, So it was definitely one of those shows where I think at the time people were like, what the fuck? But like, yeah, know, more. I haven't
2: even watched it. And I feel like that just by you telling me the synopsis (laughs) and how it ends. I'm like, come on.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I I have been preaching my love of this show pretty much since before I even saw it. Like because just the segment Mm -hmm. that they did in this special, I was like, this show seems unbelievable. And like when Netflix came around and it was sending discs, I saw that it was available on there and I was like, I can finally watch it. And the discs were only two episodes at a time.
0: We're making an ad. napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been cancelled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear
1: that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great.
0: He hasn't worked since 2020.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah. what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape.
0: Real life, real drama,
1: real time. I'm Gary Sinise.
0: That's the ad! That's, That's the ad. That's the ad.
1: this is unstable
2: topics
4: so like i would watch like, two episodes watch and then, then the i'd have to watch it and wait a couple of days for the next two and i was getting so stoked um and i just i for for a really long time i would use number 6 as like a similarly to like how a lot of people will still refer to me as saint mort because that was my internet alias for so long like Number six was also a very popular alias for me for a while because I was just like, "Ooh, it's heady, it's British, people will love it."
2: I'm so ahead of everyone else. Yeah, list. oh,
4: definitely. Listen, Matt loved to be my brother. <laughs> my brother uh, once said, "Matt Kelly has never met a Halloween costume that he didn't want to explain to people in detail." <laughs> so, like...
2: uh, yeah, that's there. You go. <laughs> I think I think people's online persona names says a lot about them. Like. I think my first aim screen name was monkey butt dancer.
4: That so, seems, I mean that catches all of it. That's
2: <laughs> I was also a child and yeah. And then I was Velmster for a while cuz I loved Scooby Doo and I I'm a Velma girl.
4: My my first screen name um in a true misunderstanding of double meanings, I was a Christian kid who loved ska music, so of course I can't wait for this one. Of course my screen name was skank for god. And
2: (laughs) wait wait (laughs) how I'm thinking it was like ska
4: no like skanking like skank so it was skank number four that's the dance that you do when you listen to ska music where you kick those arms up and down and kick the feet yeah that's called skanking
2: (laughs) I did not know that. Do you not? See, and I didn't know what
4: the other meaning of skank was. (laughs)
2: Because you were a good little Christian kid.
4: Yeah, I was just like, yeah, skank for God. And then, man, I would get messages. (laughs) Oh, the messages. Oh, yeah, the
2: chat rooms. I accidentally (laughs) wandered into quite a, because I was like, a chat room about a cartoon show I like. And I quickly learned that is not what they are talking about, you guys. Nope. Those are the days. Those are "Ah! (laughs) (laughs) from. I am a child. (laughs) Yeah,
4: I think about yeah. the, I if you could, like, go back in time and just read yeah. what the, like, because I don't remember what the conversations were happening in chat rooms, but I'm sure that if I looked at them now at 36, I'd be like, oh, no, young Matt Kelly, you shouldn't be here.
2: Yeah. I remember some were very apparent to, I, I was probably, like, a preteen. I don't know, when I was going to chat rooms, and that's when, I, there were things so apparent that I remember being like, Oh my God. X out, X out, X out. As, as fear is like, Oh my God, I'm not supposed to be reading this. If mom or dad walk in and see the word dick on my screen, they're gonna be like, what are you talking about? Like it just things, I remember sometimes it wasn't like you would like chat with strangers and conversations would like slowly go there. Cause that was like the beginning of child pedia or pedophile internet catfishing kind of stuff. G- like, Childopedia G- G- probably... sounds
4: like the worst encyclopedia on the <laughs> yeah, internet. I,
2: I wish I could go back and read some, even my own chats, but at the same time, I think those should just be locked up. Like They should be either in a chest in the warehouse that the Ark is placed in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, or buried deep with the Jumanji board game underground. <laughs> so, like We're trying to not find these things. I just I don't think I ever want to read that stuff.
4: It's Probably for the best that they do not get read. No, I agree. <laughs> um, and I don't
2: want to see my responses and how I like. I just don't. know. bury it.
4: Yeah. No, I think that that's. I think that's valid.
2: What a tangent we just went on.
4: No, it's beautiful. It'll dial
2: up, dial up internet. Oh
4: <laughs> man, oh, man I just had a flashback. You nailed it. Is is <laughs> that on your resume? Is one of your skills? Is a pitch perfect impression dial of what the dial yeah. up internet
2: sounds like? Dial up beatboxing. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Have I convinced you? to check out some of the prisoner.
2: You have, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I first want to check out this special <laughs> yeah, I, on sci-fi. I'm like really geeked about that. I'm like, oh wait, I need to watch this immediately. dude.
4: I'll tell you that thing never made I'm so excited. that. So I have a vivid memory and we'll get into this probably way deeper when we do eventually do a twilight zone episode, but mm-hmm. obviously during the nightmare world segment, when they were talking about twilight zone, they highlighted a couple key episodes and I was familiar with some of them, right? Like they showed nightmare on 20,000 feet, which like, I feel like I just always knew that that existed. I always knew the, like there's something on the wing of the plane bit. Mm-hmm. And I always knew they did land that time forgot or the something not land at time forgot, but uh time enough at last where the guy has the glasses and the glasses fall. But I had no clue what the story of eye of the beholder was. And they started discussing that episode and man, that was where I was like, I'm gonna go to bed now. Like I was like so fucked up. Which from that one is one. that? I of the Beholders, yes. where the girl's face is all bandaged up because they're trying to make her beautiful. Yes. And yes. then they finally take off the bandages, and she's like the most gorgeous woman you've ever seen. But they all start yelling that the uh, operation was a failure. And then when they turn on the lights, they're all like horribly. They're all like, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Oh my god. I remember that one being like that nine one, years old, watching that. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> like, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that one. And then we would always watch. Um, we did like a whole, I think I had to write a paper on this episode in, in literature class. Cause film it like a bunch of people in a neighborhood and like the lights, the power goes out monsters and on so then- Mabel street. Yes, 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 Monsters on Maple Street. And they all kind of, its it turns into everyone starts self-accusing. It was you with it. And they all turn against each other because of just power. And then at the very end, it fades out to two aliens on a cliff with a remote control. And they're like, see, if we just keep doing this, eventually they'll just destruct themselves. And obviously it's a theme on human. It was like, whoa, that yeah. got deep. And we are awful people. <laughs>
4: I don't know why. But yeah, my class also had us read we did like it a script was, yeah, it reading was in that. my
2: textbook. Yeah. We had a script reading in the textbook. Um, it was like one of the things. And then they had like questions after that. You had to do like comprehension on it. And then my teacher was like, well, we can watch the episode. He let us watch, watch the episode in class. That's funny. We must've had the same textbook. some. Have...
4: That's so crazy though, that that was like a thing that like, yeah, were just there must like, be no, some, this is kids something to learn to from this.
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good comprehension of, I don't know. It's talk about how humans are our own enemies or i don't know anyways i will check out the prisoner
4: good i'm glad i (laughs) hope you like it please don't be angry at me if you don't
3: what's up everybody this is brian here to tell you about our podcast binge town tv
4: surrealistic and avant-garde and i'm curious is that something that you actually look for in a show or do you almost like actively just want it to be as linear and straightforward as possible
2: oh it depends my mood like a lot of times i just want it to be pretty fucking linear because tv for me is my unwind de-stress turn my brain off at the end of the day try to get like my whatever happened today to to quiet down and like entertain me fool, before I go to bed. And so that's why I tend to go towards more comedies. I want to end my day laughing. I just want to be like in a good mood. I I don't want to take on someone else's stress. So that's why sometimes people are like, oh my God, this new series, like you're going to binge it. You can't sleep at night. I'm like, why would I want to watch that? (laughs) But I do sometimes fall into them where I'm like, oh, a new show. I like this actor. And you mentioned. Russian Doll, like I did watch that and I was like, oh, this is so good. And and when something starts to twist my brain, I do get into it. And I'm like, oh, because I love thinking deep and, but I tend to fall more into movies like that. Like I like to find movies that make me think in this, that like Plus a TV series just there. is so much commitment. It, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't want to spend 20 hours to think hard. Like give me a good movie. Give me the inception. I'm for it. I love them. But yeah, I, I normally go, I love a good sitcom.
4: Yeah. No, I, I think that I I bounce between both, but I, I'm definitely more of a sitcom sitcom, Jesus, sitcom person overall because like yeah, like the same thing you said. Like I wanna just kind of I'll I'll take the fluff. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'll I'll watch like an it. episode of Friends that I feel lukewarm over quicker than i'll like re-watch an episode of lost you know what i mean which i yeah. think was good you know what i mean like it's like i think lost was yeah, good I never,
2: I never watched lost and i everyone's like but you have to and i was like i'd rather not you know what I, i'm not a <laughs> friends person i know we talked about this i'm not
4: either but friends. that's what i'm saying like i would rather take something that i'm not even that big of a fan of that's like easy breezy fluff than like re-watch mm. a show that i really like that's going to like Make me think too much. You
2: know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, I rewatch. I put Will and Grace on last night to go to bed.
4: Like, I need to do a Will and Grace rewatch. At ugh. one point, I started it. It's so was So fun. It was so funny. But it was, that, it was
2: that's what I was watching instead of Friends was Will and Grace. Like,
4: so when I would dog sit for a friend, she had the complete series, and that was like ugh. at at a certain point, I was like dog sitting for her like maybe four times a year. So I'd be like, oh, I'm just gonna like knock out a season every time I dog sit. Then. Mm-hmm. You had kids, and the, the random sporadic week trips definitely slowed down, and thus so did my Will and Grace rewatch.
2: <laughs> so it is all the kids' fault. So yeah, kids ruin everything. Grace. Back to yep. what we
4: talked about last week. All right. So, so, Gelsey, if people have some suggestions of mind bendy shows that neither you or I will probably actually sit down and watch, where can they For send sure. those anyway?
2: Yeah. Please let us know the shows that we won't watch on Facebook. You can search before my time will pop up. Let us know. And on Instagram, you can find us at before my time underscore podcast. And the question guys, this is a mind bending question. Have you left a review for us yet. Have you clicked five stars? Because that would be out of this world if you did. We would really appreciate it. We appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in and listening to us battle on about things we love. Hope you join us next week and hope you have been. Bye!
0: You're listening to the Geekscape Network. We're making an ad. Snapping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear
1: that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great.
0: He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs>
1: So, um, yeah. what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The it... Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape.
0: Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad!
1: That's, That's the ad. That's the ad. This is Unstable Topics.
0: You're listening to the Geekscape Network.